welcome to another episode of the so-called oreos podcast the podcast where we discuss all the awkwardness hardship and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside also known as an oreo i'm one of your hosts kia swinton and i'm here with janae price amari pollard rachel fowler Oh my god, we did it! We didn't <laughs> even practice that. We'll <laughs> um, yeah, guys. So welcome to another episode. Um, we're still working on our audio, so we're recording this via Zoom. Hopefully, that sounds better than um, Skype. And we're working on, you know, getting our mics and stuff, so it will sound just as good as NPR. And like, <laughs> but like, just deal with us. Um, yeah. So. You know, do we have any updates? How are you guys doing? Let's update the people. Um, I'll talk. (laughs) I just moved back to Brooklyn um, when COVID-19 first started. I was like, let me get out of Dodge. You're going to close down the shitty. So I decided to move to upstate New York and stay with my parents for the past, what, three, four months, something like that. Um, So I just moved back in yesterday ish like a day and a half ago um and it feels weird i won't front um it's just weird we were talking before we started recording about this but it feels weird to like be somewhere when you haven't been there in months and it's all of your things like it's all your stuff but you just haven't seen it in so long so it still feels a little alien um and in general being in a place where there's not that many people and then coming back and it's kind of like, how do I walk down the sidewalk in 90 degree heat? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask when like people are out? Um, so it's definitely a, a weird, it's going to be an adjustment to get used to. Definitely. So that's me. I didn't have any major moves like Janae, but uh, this weekend I helped my parents clean out I, I helped. I contributed to my parents cleaning out the garage and the gems that we came across was insane. I actually found like this thing from a teacher um, that I won author of the day. So it's been spoken into existence. Oh my God, that's amazing. It was really cute. And we found all these books, like all these Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen books and Clueless and all this stuff. I just forgot how good like the 90s and early 2000s were, like prime. Yeah, that's probably because we were kids, though. That's true. Yeah. But still, still the con- I think the content was, I mean, there's good content now, but I just think, like, the shows that we grew up with, like, on Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, like, ABC Family, I just don't think this, I don't think the comparison is there nowadays. Yeah. I wonder if people think that, like, before us, too. Like, oh, probably. So <laughs> trash. Or something like that. Except that they were to look back on the shows that they liked in like the 60s and the 70s, they'd realize they're probably racist as shit. So. Oh yeah, for sure. But we were even doing that with like Friends and Sex and the City and there's a lot of stuff. But you know, we grow. We learn. We do. Which is also too funny about Friends because what's his name? David Schwimmer was like, oh yeah, they should definitely make a black version of Friends. And everyone from like Living Single was like, we were here before you. So yeah. it's already been done. Yeah, sometimes it's just just sit down and eat your food and don't talk. That's, <laughs> that's all you gotta do. That's what that um, app Kid Fury from the Read constantly talks about, where it's kind of like that. I, I can't remember what he calls it, but his his idea of helping out celebrities when they say dumb shit on social. Oh yeah, he did pitch that. He was like, 
Yeah, is in the form of like a an app that has someone that you like a helpline. Yeah, yes, yeah. you have a buddy that you go to before you tweet out something to like say, celebrity buddy or something. Yeah, yeah, where to say like, yeah, girl, you sh- that's fine to tweet or like, no, girl, you can get in a lot of trouble if you tweet that. Just that's called a publicist. <laughs> but the problem is these celebrities aren't listening to their no, publicist. Yeah. Like someone get Terry Crews and take away his oh, phone. Oh my God! Wait, guys, did well, you see what he tweeted to- this morning? What he said? No, he said he said I'm a human rights activist, not a human wrongs activist. He <laughs> shit on purpose. He must. No, he must. So. I don't know. He, some 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 superior. Well, we all know like some these white people with a lot of money in their pockets are clearly paying him, and the fact that you have a lot of people in the alt right commenting and supporting him just proves that he's on the wrong side. Latrell needs to stay in white chicks. Um. <laughs> How did he get so bad? How did he get like we we saw the beginning of it because we saw what happened with Gabrielle Union and him not coming to her defense and that pissed me off so much because I'm like when you were having your sexual misconduct allegations, black women were right there behind you saying, Let's believe him, let's support him when no one was everyone was embarrassed for him, but black women were like, No, listen out to him and he couldn't be there for Gabrielle Union. Yeah, no, it's it's such a bad look. It's such a bad look. Anyways, hopefully Rachel. he gets it together. I didn't even know he tweeted something else today. But. Yeah, he's dumb. But Rachel, how have you been? I've been good. Um, I am going back to the office on Monday. Damn it. We're alternating. We're alternating um, days. So I'll be going like Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, I, it's it's better. Honestly, it's better than going like every day every day for a week. Uh, and on and also. It's been kind of rough, like working from home, you know, like it would be nice to just get out of the apartment and like back into the office setting to kind of like make things normal again. But um, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to do what I have to do and keep it moving, you know, so pray for me, but I'll be okay. (laughs) It's going to be one of those things where you have maybe like a schedule where it's like certain people go in on certain. Yeah. So it's just it's just going to be um, three of us in the office. It's not going to be a whole bunch of people. Um, again, like we're alternating days, so everyone is like not at the office together, not in the office at the same time. That's good. That's Are they going to be doing the thing where like they take your temperatures before you go in? I don't know because I've never been in the office since um, I haven't been since March. All I'm going to do is wear my mask, bring my um, hand sanitizer, Lysol spray, and just make sure I can keep, try to keep myself safe mm-hmm. as much as I can. Right. Ooh, yeah. That seems so far away for like New York, I feel like. Still. Yeah, it seems so far. Like I, I know we were supposed to go into. Um, uh, like st- what? What is it called? Like section three, station three, group free three, phase, phase four, three? <laughs> phase three, and phase four. Oh Lord, we were supposed to go into the next phase by Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cuomo pushed that back so we could stay in phase two because it's like I thought we were in phase three. Or are you guys no. in phase two? Upstate. No. I oh, think- okay. Upstate, upstate is in phase three. Yeah, I think it, different states are like different phases. Downstate is fit, staying in phase two. Okay. We were supposed to move to phase three on Monday, mm-hmm. but Cuomo was like, no, the girls are going to go back, stay in phase two because it's not obviously i think jersey's doing that too which is funny not funny though but interesting because atlanta is a part of one of the states that's seeing an or 
Atlantis, none of the state, but that's the only city I recognize in Georgia. Um, that, uh, Georgia itself is like one of those states where numbers are going up and you see like Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas where they're not, they're not, they're like only getting mandates for like masks on at all times, like right now. They don't care, man. They've, so it's really interesting to see that um, like they're still pushing forward, even though the numbers would like, you know, advise otherwise. Yeah. I just hope people that's why that's why you just have to listen to yourself and like your gut and a doctor because if you listen to the government you could there like our cases could be doubled but yeah. I don't know it's gonna I think people are gonna start to, to look at the numbers and like wow this is really bad and like people are gonna stop like Europe's not allowing Americans to visit still so it's like it's just not a good look it's crazy because you see you like I was looking at a graph the other day you just see the European countries at first were like up here and now they're all like on the down 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 low and America just keeps on going up and up and up and it's so frustrating seeing other countries respond so much better than the U.S. and this the U.S. is touted as the greatest country in America like in the world and our response is just abysmal yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think America's going to be the number one superpower and you really got to start looking at like what's the benefit of living in America. Like exactly. I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't know. Especially because we just don't have any strong leadership. I mean, it's not going to work out if we don't have a specific standard and every state can do what the hell they want. Exactly, United States of America, but it's like you're not united like within the states all the time. So just just a logistics front, right? You've got New York, who is uh, stage two. You've got Atlanta, which is what, four? People they tra- basically open. Exactly. People traveling between the north and the south are easily carrying this thing. Like it just it just doesn't make any sense. And I know they're trying to like find people and like tell people to self quarantine if you pass state lines, but like re- realistically who's going to do that? And like my um boss is from Canada, so she's staying in Canada for a little bit. And they're making her like self quarantine for two weeks straight. And if she gets caught like not doing that, she's gonna lose her citizenship and get a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. So like they're taking it serious. That's yeah. like in Jamaica like they will drape you up off the streets <laughs> and put you somewhere um but maybe america needs to be like a little stricter like that like but the problem is like i think we said on the last episode too like america is very much about the individual and the individual needs supersede that of the community and that's just how everything is like written into law too so it can't ha- it's not going to happen unless like from like the base of it like like laws are passed where you know it's more of like a uh it's like an umbrella yeah no for sure um i lived in like a dictatorship but anyway wait what'd you just (laughs) what'd you say this this is the one moment in my life where i wish i lived in a dictatorship that's a bit dramatic no i i get that yeah honestly i'm not even shocked i wish i lived in a country that had tighter rules right now. Like China, the way they, I mean, granted, we, we have some issues with how they've been treating Black people during this moment, but the way that they have controlled and contained um, COVID, mm-hmm. there's a reason to. for it. You have to do that. And America's just so like, my freedom is taken away. And it's like, shut the fuck up. And then look who we have in office. Everyone is following, not everyone, but majority of the country is following our leader, Trump. And if Trump is not telling um, the people to wear masks, then they're not going to, majority of them are not going to follow. Exactly. And that's why 
um, we're not all in, the, uh, in this on the um, in the same phase because like different states have to have different like regulations and different protocols to combat this virus. And they're dedicated to supporting Trump regardless because it's a lot about who's going to get reelected, all the you know politics and stuff. But it's like at what point do we put down the politics? politics and just start worrying about like human life and like coming together and it's not even just about america it's about america's doing really selfish things like such as like buying up all the supply and we're not leaving anything for you know third world countries or developing countries or honestly even europe like europe is still struggling to get stuff because america has bought up three months supplies or 80 percent of things and it's just like that's so selfish but the problem is america's not even giving it to its citizens so how can you expect it to give it to other countries like people don't even have access to like access to masks or ventilators so like the problem is the government is just pile like has a stock let's stockpile that no one knows where it is and no one has access to it so like you yeah. can't even take I honestly like you this country can't even take care of its own people. Like so not to be like other countries don't matter at this point. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying like we can't expect America to do anything if it can't even take care of the people currently living here. Yeah, it's just a terrible state. Um, but guys, we are talking COVID related ish, but we're talking about black owned businesses. I tried to do that a good segue, but it was hard. Um, so yeah, I just thought about this episode because I was looking up stats on, um, black owned businesses and especially during, um, back in like March and April with, um, coronavirus. And we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but basically I, over the last couple of years, I've been really intrigued by businesses, um, entrepreneurship, and um, a stat I came across was while African-Americans consist of 13% of the U.S. population, they only own 7% of the businesses. So Black-owned businesses don't make up a lot of the businesses in this country. Um, and the number of working African-American business owners in the U.S., plummeted um, over 40% as the coronavirus shut down. Um, and this is far steeper drop than any other racial group in terms of businesses. And this just confirmed the fears that the pandemic would deepen inequalities in the business world when it comes to race. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, COVID has fucked shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, of all the businesses that have struggled to access relief from the Paycheck Protection Program, minority-owned businesses have taken the biggest hit, a set of conditions that have favored larger businesses, including many banks only approving loans for existing customers, have shut out many minority-owned businesses. For these, have received loans through the program. Advocates worry some of the conditions may make it harder for many to qualify for their forgiveness, potentially saddling them with years of debt. As the killing of George Floyd has fueled a worldwide outcry against racism and police brutality, many on social media are encouraging people to spend their money at Black-owned businesses. Lists of local retailers, artisans, and manufacturers have been circulating on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, helping Black-owned businesses raise their profile at a time when the coronavirus pandemic has ravaged the economy. Yeah, so a cool thing that happened last month, according to Google, was that Black-owned businesses near me um, in searches reached an all-time high last month. So that's awesome. But like, I think also it's important for people moving forward to make a conscious effort 
to actively support Black businesses, whether that means um, just buying your household goods from Black businesses, buying your clothes from Black businesses, uh, buying food from Black-owned grocery stores, like we exist. Um, And so like, don't just do it now because we're in this moment where everyone is focusing solely on Black businesses and trying to um, increase the the money pushed in there. I think that's just something that should... um, kind of be placed in everyone's everyday life like yeah it's not that hard yeah so it was interesting to see how like the stats of um how in april and march that um you know the black owned businesses kind of plummeted 40 percent and they weren't really getting any help from the government because they weren't really meeting the qualifications the banks weren't really helping them out because they said you already had to be a member and then we see the spike in june Um, when George Floyd was killed. And then we see this, I guess, awakening of white people wanting to help black people and realizing the inequalities when it comes to black owned businesses. And you have people making more of a conscious effort to go buy things that are black owned, which is awesome. But like you said, we can't just do this when someone's murdered or, you know, when the honeypot scandal happened, I think it was, she got a lot of backlash because white people were like, this is racist. It's just a black company. And then her like company went, you know, sky skyrocketed the sales because um, she got a lot of shit for it. But it's like, why do we have to go through so much pain to just be elevated when it comes to business? Like that's, we shouldn't, people shouldn't have to die um, for us to support black owned businesses. So it's not just doing it now, but like keep doing it. And it's going to be hard because a lot of these companies, you know, Uber, Etsy, Amazon, they're making an effort to put these businesses on like the front page, but they're not always doing that. They're not doing that a lot. A lot of it is just like kind of being pushed down behind all these other businesses. So we have to make a conscious effort to research and look for the businesses we want to support. And like note on that, like, so because you have these big monopolies on business like Amazon and Etsy and all these other things, it's really important too to not buy, if you're going to buy a product from a black owned business, you can find it on Amazon, but make sure the company gets all of its money by going then to that site and directly buying from them. Yes. You're not going to get your two day shipping. You're not going to get your like prime, you know, discounts or whatever, but at least know that that money is going to go to that company specifically. And Amazon's not going to get a cut. And we can talk about Amazon and capitalism another day, but like, that's an important fact. That's super important. I honestly, I didn't even think about that, but you're, you're so right. Like we're giving a cut to Etsy or whatever. Well, Etsy is a little different, I guess, because, you know, it's a shop that a lot of people don't have the means to have like a retail shop. Um, But also when I was looking at black owned businesses, uh, 11% of black owned businesses are in fashion. So that actually tends to be the thing that a lot of black people kind of go into is the fashion route. So instead of buying our clothes from like, you know, H&M, Fashion Nova, obviously I buy my clothes from there, but making a conscious effort to um, really look up. And if you go on Twitter, like there's so many things on Twitter where it's like, I'm a black owned business and all this stuff and the fashion is really awesome so just making a conscious effort in the fashion state of just buying black also to piggyback oh sorry janae no you're fine okay um just quickly to piggyback off of what kia said even though we're also big in um fashion as someone who is a product of two black owned business people in the healthcare space and as someone who basically only sees black healthcare providers, I think that's an important thing too. Like my dentist is black. My physician is black. Um, I'm working on my therapist is black. You know, I think getting that too in the healthcare space is important because, you know, uh, disparities in healthcare when it comes to black people is a huge issue. Um, so we're there too. Like think about that too. 
um, personally this entire, because, you know, since George Floyd's death, there's been a huge, 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 like mentioned before, movement to support black businesses. And I think that this has been a huge moment for me too, because in the past, when I was buying things, it would more so be like, oh, if it's a black owned business, that's a plus. Um, That'll make me want to buy it more. And now I personally have been seeking out um, black owned businesses to spend my money with. And I've always been doing that in healthcare too. Um, but I know that this has definitely been a teaching moment for me when it comes to actually seeking out businesses and being like, okay, if I'm going to splurge on a jean jacket, then I need to find a company where, you know, it's, it's a black company. So it's, it's been a huge learning moment for me. Yeah, me too. Cause I, um, recently just started making a conscious effort too. And I was like, you know, I get all these teas and this other stuff, but I, I know there's black owned tea companies and, you know, skincare companies. Let me just spend my money there versus a huge conglomerate that probably doesn't give a fuck about black people. It's probably racist to be honest. And <laughs> let me just <laughs> redirect my coins because I think a lot of people are like, well, me doing this isn't going to make a difference, but it actually is. And if black people really came together and spent their money where they want to spend their money and where they want to give attention. Um, I think we would see a huge, huge difference um, in this country and also like in this world, to be honest. 100% agreed. Okay guys. So for black owned businesses, we each uh, made the effort to interview a black owned business owner and you guys will hear that in you know, actually a couple seconds. <laughs> um, but for me, I interviewed um, Camille Hugh. She's the creator of Cards That Make You LOL. It's a card, it's a game of hit or miss party tricks, and she's a serial entrepreneur. So she'll talk about a lot of the businesses she has in the interview. I, Amari, here. Um, I interviewed Zari Taylor of Zari Alyssa PNG. And so she's an illustrator. Um, she does commissions and prints and just actually started at the beginning of COVID. So I think her story is really interesting. She's kind of um, blown up in a way that like was un- very unexpected. So hopefully you guys enjoy that interview. Hey y'all, Rachel here. I interviewed Patricia Striggled. She is the creator of the Motherland Plug and is a culturally curated Afrocentric online retailer. Um, Customers can find a variety of handmade fair trade African imported goods from her online shop. Uh, Janae here. Um, So for my Black-owned business, I interviewed Tiffany James. Uh, She's the creator of Cab Customs um, and her business, which she coined as a ratchet apparel and accessory line. So our conversation was pretty interesting. Hey, so-called Oreos. This is Kia Swain here, and I have a special interview with Camille Hugh, the creator of Cards That Make You LOL, a game of hit or miss party tricks. So Camille, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Yeah, well, I'm excited too. So um, a little background, um, Camille's and New of Us, which is a, a group with like comedy, I guess comedy lovers, creators, all that good stuff. I'm not too involved with the group, but I like to see what's coming up and what people have available. So she reached out and, and had this really cool game. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. A black girl who has a game and stuff. Let me interview for the podcast. <laughs> um, so Camille, do you want to give a little... 
just background of yourself and like because I know um, your bio has serial entrepreneurs. So you could just tell the folks what you're about. Sure. So my name is Camille Hugh and I am a serial entrepreneur. So that just means I've started a lot of different companies. I am a writer. I've written 13 books. I produce workout DVDs. I'm really into fitness. So I've produced two fitness cardio DVDs. I am a real estate broker by trade. I've started like wedding related companies. And my latest venture is in Stitches Games, which is a gaming company, which I designed specifically to help people laugh out loud because I felt like a lot of games just got really intense and I wanted to create something that really celebrated laughter and working cooperatively and people just feeling good, win or lose. And that was my my goal in creating that company. That's amazing. Um, so you already answered my first question, which is what inspired you to start your company. But what inspired you to get like, because you've said you've done like wedding and fitness, what inspired you to get more into like gaming? And do you have a certain like target audience when you thought of people laughing? What inspired me to get into gaming is because I love game nights myself. So I, I regularly host game nights for my friends. And I think it's a great way to bond with people, to meet people, to get to know people. And it's it's just an, an awesome social thing to do. So I having attended as many game nights as I have and seeing games that I thought could be improved or things that I wanted in the gaming experience that I didn't get out of other games inspired me to create this game. And then I'm trying to remember remember your second part of the question. It was, um, did you have a certain target audience in mind when you thought of, let me create this game about laughter and joy? Well, at first I was just thinking, I want to make everyone laugh, but really with cards that make you LOL, I found that it's probably best for families, you know, for families that want to play games together. So if you're interested in spending quality time together with your kids, I wanted to create something that adults could have fun with as well as children. It's it's difficult a lot of times. Like I have three nephews and when we're playing games, if we're playing a child game or yeah. kids game, it can be too easy. You're like over it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not really challenging for the adults. So I wanted to kind of create something that you didn't have any advantage being an adult with which is what I did with cards that make you LOL. It's based on party tricks. So like you don't have any special advantage being able to lick your elbow, which my nephew could do, which I can't do, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to create a game like that. And Adults can play it as well. I've played it with my millennial friends at our game nights, as well as with family. I've played it with my sister and my nephews and other kids. So it's it's great for both, for all types, really. Yeah, but, I feel like we really don't think about that because it's usually like Cards Against Humanity, which obviously is PG-13, um, or it's like a really, you know, annoying kids game when you're like 20 whatever you're just like oh, I'm over it but that's that's really good because I didn't think about that I'm not like too into gaming but I feel like that's the type of game that I would want to play with my my nephew or something like that um so can you give us a little bit of info about I know you mentioned party tricks but is there anything more to the game of like what's the end goal how do you win all that stuff Sure. So the objective of the game, okay, so I'll just lay it out, try to make it as simple as possible. It's a very simple game. And how it works is that you divide into two equal teams. So you can have a small group, a large group. We've had like 
I believe up to 40 people playing this game at once, which is kind of intense. But so you split into two equal teams and then anyone calls a card out loud and then you get in your team and decide how many of your opponents can actually perform whatever the card is. And then everyone has to do whatever the thing is. So if the card is how many people can do a Vulcan salute on both hands, you would get with your team, which is this thing, by the way. Yeah, okay. Like <laughs> the team. Star Wars. There you go. I don't know what it's called. I've never watched Star Wars, but I know it's like the yeah, peace yeah. thing. Which a lot of people cannot do. So you would get with, together with your team and you decide and then everyone would have to do it. Uh, and then the funny part, of course, is seeing people attempt to do this thing, which some people just cannot do, and then being amazed, finding out that some people can do this thing. So it's pretty simple. Um, and then depending upon what you guess, if you guess three people could do it and five people could do it, you get negative two points. At the end of the game, the person who has the closest score to zero wins. So it's very, very simple. Oh, okay, cool. So it counts like backwards, kind of. It's not like your traditional trying to get the most points or whatever. Right. It's like a betting game, essentially. If you've ever played those like card betting games it's like that. Got it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so what is because I I um, listen to a lot of entrepreneurship podcasts and I, in the last couple of years, I got pretty interested in entrepreneurship and business because before I honestly didn't know anything about business. Um, but what do you think is the hardest thing to be a black business owner because I know on how I built this a lot of them talk about especially when you have like you know venture capitalists a lot of that goes to men and particularly white men then it's white women so it's only I think one one or two percent that's going that money's going to black owned female businesses so what do you think is the hardest part of being a current modern day like black owned business owner well that's a good point that you mentioned personally I've never raised funds outside. I've just used my own savings. So it's, if I want to create a company, I would save up to do that. Um, but I, I do agree with you that traditionally venture capitalists are not really funding black owned businesses. The money is not really going there. For me, the most difficult part about being in business is marketing. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. Getting your product out there because the, the market is just flooded with, with things out there. And so to make your voice rise you know, to the top and to get noticed, for me, that's the most difficult part. Uh, particularly being just a, a black woman in gaming, which is kind of, um, it's it's not usual. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you have women that look like me. And, and I've read, which I wasn't so aware of, but just reading a lot of the game groups on Facebook that there seems to be a lot of, I don't want to say racism, but it's not the gaming community isn't as open to other races and genders creating games. So that's like another hurdle for me in just this specific industry that I'm in, getting noticed as a black woman in the gaming community. For sure. But I feel as though if your product is, is good, which I believe in my product, that people will talk about it and you'll spread the word and you can overcome racists and people who are, you know, just don't want to have anything to do with you because of their closed mindedness. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Like marketing is a huge thing because it's a lot of strategy. And I feel like that's probably the number one struggle we have with the podcast because we really believe in our content and we put, you know, we believe in it because we know how much work we're putting into it. But the marketing is like it's a tough, you know, crowd when you have a lot of crowded 
you know, voices. And then you have these, especially like white influencers who have these just basic brands, but they pull in so many people. And so I imagine that's, you know, similar to like businesses and stuff. And, you know, people just have more knowledge in that too. So that's definitely a thing. And especially with gaming, because I'm, I mean, I'm not into gaming, but I really love hearing about like the incel community and like oh, Twitch wow. and like Gamergate and like because I used to work at a company that did um there was a channel that was gaming. And so I, I had to open my mind to like what is the gamers talking about and stuff. And it, it was really fascinating because I don't know anything about gaming, but um, I is did there a reason you don't like games or you're not. Into I, I'm just not a huge gamer. I'm not I don't dislike it. I like you know, I have like a Wii and like Super Mario Brothers and like basic stuff like that, but I don't have like, what is it, the Switch or like, I'm not playing games in my free time. I'll do it, but it's not something where I'm like, I need to play like World of Warcraft or like, I, I only know what this from like friends <laughs> telling me what the games are and like Animal Crossing and I don't even know if that's considered like gaming, but yeah, I'm just. <laughs> it is. See, but I, I'm with you on that. Like, I don't play too many online games or anything like that. I'm more of like a board game, a card game where my friends are actually coming together in person and we're seeing each other face to face and I'm getting that quality time in. For sure. I definitely prefer that as well. You know? Yeah. That's definitely up more up my alley. Like, I love Taboo. That's like my favorite game. Yeah, yeah that's it, it gets intense and I love it. and Uno, obviously. So those are like my two favorite. Um, but what is one thing you wish that people knew about being a business owner in general? Because you're a serial entrepreneur and a lot of people and you fund it yourself, which is which is major. So I think what do you think people what would you like people to know about that type of lifestyle? About the lifestyle? It's <laughs> it's a hustle, right? Yeah. It's a grind. You, a lot of people think that when you're an entrepreneur, you're all set, like you don't have to work for anyone. So you just think it's going to be a, a easy road, but you're doing oftentimes a lot more work than if you were working for someone else, obviously, because it's, it's your business, it's your brand. If you don't do the work, then nothing gets done. So, but I would just say to a lot of people who are interested in entrepreneurship to just start, a lot of people they get inside their head. They don't want to launch until everything is perfect. And then they just draw things out and it never gets done. So I think the most important step is to just start like you guys did. Just get together and do it and put it out there and start from there. And then it grows and you learn as you go. Of course, there's something to be said about reading books and attending seminars and learning the craft. But it's just really important to start. That's how I did a lot of my businesses. Uh, like with Bubble Soccer, I had never actually played Bubble Soccer, which is a company that I have. I had never actually played the game, you know, before I started that business and put it up a put up a website and it just took off. So just start is my my number one tip. And another tip, create a niche, you know. So as to your point before about other people in the podcasting space that kind of have these basic podcasts <laughs> going up. Like when you have a niche, it's a little bit easier to 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 stand out and to be heard. So yeah, those are both great points. I love that. Um, and I feel like, like you said, a lot of people are planning it out and all this stuff. And I, I definitely have the issue too. But um, it's good to also have people around you that are just like pushing you to just start. Um, so I think that's great. And the last question I have for you is how can people continue to support you and other black owned businesses? So right now I have a Kickstarter 
I believe it actually ends on June 30th. <laughs> but if so, if this airs and the Kickstarter is still going, then you can check out Cards That Make You LOL on Kickstarter. There are some really great discounts on there. And I'm also partnering with Rockabye, which is a weighted blanket company. If you purchase the game and send Rockabye a receipt, you get $40 off of their weighted blankets. If the Kickstarter is no longer going by the time you see this, podcast, then you can just head on over to institchesgames.com or you can purchase cards that make you L on make you LOL on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely put the link in the bio so people can have that and support you. And it looks like you're you're pretty good on your goal. I mean, I'm looking at it now. It's you're at 710 out of 2000. So yeah. hopefully by the time this airs, you know, you can double that and get to that, get to that push yes yeah um and how can people find you on socials or how would you like people to connect with you more i am on instagram at sit in pretty at sit in pretty sorry and so that's s-i-t-i-n-p-r-e-t-t-y or in stitches games on instagram so that's the the gaming uh, page I'm also on Facebook, in Stitches Games, also on Twitter, in Stitches Games, the same handle. So you can find me on there if you want to connect with me or Sit and Pretty is my personal Instagram. Awesome. Thanks so much, Camille. Thank you, Nakia. No problem. <laughs> Hey, So Cold Oreos, it's Amari here with Zari Taylor of Zari Alyssa PNG. She is an illustrator and her business focuses on putting black and brown people in print. Thank you, Zari, for joining me today. Um, so just to get into it, uh, can you just talk a little bit about what inspired you to start your business in the first place? I, so I, really, I really don't know, um, honestly, and you know this, I really don't know. Like, uh, I think when quarantine started, everyone sort of was trying to find something to do with their time. Um, and like, I live in New York, but I, I mean, I'm in school in North Carolina. And so I had come back and outside of doing school stuff, like I was bored, I didn't have anything to do. And um, I had put it on my, I forgot to look for it, but I had put it on my New Year's resolution to learn either Photoshop or Illustrator mm -hmm. because I was tired of paying other people for prints. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could probably do that. Like, that should be fine. And so I watched the tutorials that they had um, and I just started like, you know, here's a pot I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to draw this. And then I kept wanting to send them to all my friends. I sent them to you. I was sending them to all my friends like, look, like, look what I just did. Like, isn't this nice? Um, and all of my friends, they not just you alone, but a lot of my friends, I don't want to say bullied me, but they were just like, okay, we're waiting for the Instagram page. Just make it, just make it. And I was like, no, like no one's going to like it. Like, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Um, but I just made it, I made it in secret and I uploaded some stuff and then I was like, Hey, like if you're interested, uh, I just made a little Instagram page if you want. Um, and then when other people started looking at it outside of like family and friends, it was always, oh, I want to do, I want to print for my apartment. Do you, are you starting to sell? And so I said, okay, like, I guess, <laughs> like I'll have to start uh, doing this as a business, not only because it takes a lot of time, but I wanted to pay for my own prints. So I said, if I'm going to print, if I'm going to make a print and then try to get it printed and shipped to myself, and that costs like $30 or so, I might as well have someone else pay for it. And that was literally the 
only reason I started charging uh, and now it's become sort of a of a thing I yeah guess. so like it just naturally turned into what it is now just because right of people just showing interest right I, it was just like I don't know where people find me I don't know how I mean I guess like the hashtags and all the other stuff but and I'm not a master at that either so it's it's I don't know. I really do. I don't even know. Like anyone that asks me, I'm just like, I honestly don't understand what's going on, but I mean, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. Has Has it been interesting or weird to see it grow so quickly? Because it's only, you've only started like what, two, three months ago and yeah, now you was, already have like a thousand followers. Yeah. It was like, it's been like two, three months. I, Cause I started the page April 11th. Um, but I, I posted about it a couple days later, but yeah, I like my friend because I hit one thousand today, which I mean, great day to interview me. Yes, <laughs> congrats. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 weird because I've done social media stuff in the past, um, and I I don't like the way that, that you have to be sort of gimmicky. Like, okay, I'm gonna tag all these people, I'm gonna use specific hashtags, and you have to switch the hashtags up every day because you don't want to be spam, and then you're gonna follow people and then unfollow them so that you can retain them. And I just didn't like that, so I think. I like that it's happened and I put the least amount of effort into it. Like I use the same hashtag over and over again. Like I, I'm just, I'm trying not to think about it too much because I feel like when you get too wrapped up into it, you can sort of get into your head mm-hmm. rather than just do it anyway. Cause even if the page had like 10 people, I would still want to do it. Like I, I just didn't want to post everything on my personal page. So I said, I'll just put this out somewhere else and the fact that people trust me like to be drawing pictures of them um, (laughs) and their family like their children is I mean I guess I think a lot of people see stuff in me that I just haven't come to terms with yet because it's like I'm it's so new Mm -hmm. and I have a whole bunch of other stuff going on that I can't really focus on it but but it's been really nice like it, it really has yeah, love when a passion project turns into some lucrative, <laughs> lucrative business. Nice little side income. Yes. I've treated myself plenty of times from the profits. You know, every time I see a sale, I'm like, ooh, like you just finished two commissions. You can buy that if you want to. So it's it's been nice. Like, I didn't think I would ever have like an outside source of income. But look at me now. Hey, most unexpected things. We love to see it. Love it. Um, so like, what would you, because you started, I think it's interesting that this all started during COVID and also was brought on by COVID in a way, like what has been the hardest thing about starting a black owned business also during COVID times? I think at first, um, I was nervous about shipping, um, because I thought like I was going to, I don't know why I thought I was going to have to like print these myself and then print it to me and then like go to the post office and do it myself. And then everything was closed at first. And then I was okay. You can wear a mask and do it. So it was just all of these different hurdles that I had in my mind, but it's been very, very easy only because it's digital. So I set up, I don't have like a full website as of yet, but I have like, you fill out a form online. I email you with all the information. We do everything transactionally online. You send it via Cash App um, and then you sort of move on. And I thought that people wouldn't want to buy stuff. Like, you know, people, they only sent us one stimulus check. Like, and unemployment is not that much. So I didn't want it to be like, oh, I know that you're struggling, but also I'm going to charge you like $1,000 to to do this thing for you. So I I try to make sure prices were low enough where 
I figured people could sort of handle it um, with everything that's going on. Um, and I think business has been up. I think people, more people are on Instagram now because mm-hmm. people are at home. Even people who work are sort of, you know, their distraction. Instead of like walking to the bathroom at the office, they're scrolling on their phone for 10 minutes or so or an hour. Or the whole day. Right, like the whole, the whole day. So I think it's it's been, I think maybe if I had started it when things were, I guess, normal, even, or what it was in March, I don't think it would have hit the same, only because a lot of people, I think, are starting to do illustrations now that we all have the time, because a lot of people um, that I even followed or that sort of started around the same time as me were all people who had just started around March, April, too. Mm-hmm. And what's like one thing you wish you had known prior to embarking on this journey of yours? I wish I, I wish I would have known that I could do this sooner. Cause I think I've always had a sort of um, like creative inkling and I, I thought that was writing. I mean, it still is writing cause I have to write for, I'm a student, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I always wanted to do something extra, like have something, a sort of creative outlet. And I think if I had known I could have done this earlier, I would have done it when I first went to college, when like all of that was free to me. Um, Cause I, the only reason I can use Illustrator is because uh, it's it, through my, my school. So if I was like, you know, a regular person with a regular job, I probably wouldn't have ever <laughs> done it. Cause I'm, who's, who's trying to pay for it? Who's you know, trying to pay those subscriptions to Adobe. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which I think also talks about accessibility and talent that people have that they can never really tap into because they don't have those resources available to them. But that's a separate conversation. But yeah, I think I, I wish I would have known it earlier because then perhaps I would have been better. Even looking at the progress I've made from the beginning to now, like there's people like friends of mine who I did commissions for. And I just want to tell them like, let me do it again. Like I could, I could be better. Like I could do so much better now than I would have done. So imagine if I had been doing this for, you know, a much longer time, I think of how, how much it could be now compared to how it is now. Yeah. But it is cool to just see even like the progression of your drawings over, I mean, you started off really well anyways, but right. like over the past few months, right? You yeah. just look, you're like, damn, this is professional, Zari. No, right. I think it's like, after I do one, like the one that, the one that's gotten the most popular was the sneakers one. Like it's like a sneaker and a heel. And I feel like after I do certain ones, I just sit in there like, yo, I just, like, I did that. Like, like. That's like I'm just like that was so good. I'm like in shock at what my hands like mm-hmm. created. Like in such a sh- and also like in such a short period of time. Right. <laughs> and most of your drawings, um, if not all, are centered on black people. And I was just wondering, like, um, how would you say like your drawings or your art helps to like uplift the black community? Yeah. So. When I was first looking on like Instagram um, in the like Illustrator hashtags, graphic design hashtags, it's a lot of white girls. Like it's a lot of white girls and like sweatpants and like summertime tans and like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like Instagram influencers, but white girls-ish and like entire pages dedicated to it. And like, not even just in America, but people in, in London, people in France, like all of these international um, illustrators and their muses are all white. So 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> my politics just, it doesn't really align with that. And I, I, at first I thought, okay, maybe I'll just do some of those types of illustrations to sort of get out there and to see like, this is what I want to try to do. But no, like it just, it just wasn't going to work for me. And I started to do like the first person I do was my best friend. Cause I was like, Hey, like this is like low stakes. You know, I could just send it to her on the low, see what she thinks. Um, and then once I started, once I did that one, I was like, okay, let me see who else like inspires me in terms of what they wear, like their personality. And those are all black women for real. Um, and so I just sort of went through and was bookmarking all the people who I follow. Um, I don't, I don't want to call them influencers cause I really like, I fight with that term all the time, mm-hmm. but just people who have amazing style, um, and like styles that I aspire to, um, et cetera. And so they all just so happen to be black people. Um, so like, I'm not against doing another person. Like if it's a white girl in a picture that I like, I have a couple of those bookmarks as well, but I just feel like black people are never the center of what's considered normal. And I don't want to be someone who is like a niche, like, Oh, she's just a black illustrator, which has come up a bit. Um, in terms of like brands reaching out to me and, and and that type of stuff. But I just feel like, why not? Like if white people can only do white people and they only want to do black people when they're talking about a protest or when they're drawing like someone who's died, which I think is just like terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person. Like I'd rather uplift black people every day, not just when it's sort of convenient for me or for because the moment. a friend is asking me to do so. And I feel like that's a kind of protest, not protest, but like, some type of activism in itself because I'm not going to center what is considered normal in the sort of illustrator world, I guess, um, just because I want to sort of fit in to whatever. And I think there's, there are pages, there's a, a Black Girls Illustrate page that majority focuses on Black people and they sort of repost from um, illustrators. So I feel like it's, you have to build the communities that you want to see. I think Jane Baldwin said something like that, where it's like, if you or and Toni Morrison also says it similarly, like if you want to see yourself, like make it yourself. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's kind of how I act and everything. Like the research that I do, like every, every aspect of my life, like if you, instead of asking other people like, oh, draw black people, it's sort of, I'll just draw you like myself. Right. So, yeah. And I think that's like also too important because I feel like uh, particularly with artists, I feel like over history, we've had a lot of people uh, black people, um, people of color who have felt that they had to like either strictly adhere to, like you said, like Eurocentric beauty standards or uh, like their writing had to be centered on white people strictly because they felt like they wouldn't get noticed as right. a black designer or a black writer uh, right. centering black folks. Right. But it, it really doesn't have to, like, it's, I think it's, it's difficult because on the one hand, even looking at, cause I'm really, I'm really fashion. So all my yes. fashion, but um, if you look at designers, like uh, the designer Pierre Moss, um, Christian John Rogers, those are two designers who are getting a lot of like applause from the industry because they're focusing on black people and because it's like, Ooh, like we have these two up and coming designers, like they're black, they're, they're politically activated, et cetera. But it's like, you don't need to look at black people only to like, only to get your sort of diversity. Mm -hmm. Like you can incorporate that into your everyday because then it ends up being labor. Um, And that's what I found, especially after, because, you know, we wouldn't have known about the process that would have started to happen at the beginning of quarantine when I started this. And I think it was like, 
it was at a point where it was a lot of people reaching out like, hey, I want to do a, um, a flyer like in solidarity with Black people. And I figured I would just come right, you know, right to the surface. Like I'm going to come to a Black woman. And I appreciate you trying to pay me because you're supporting our business. Like I, I understand that part of it. But the labor that's necessary for me to, one, get your idea and say, okay, well, instead of doing this, let's perhaps do this because what you're doing doesn't, you know, it's just performative. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't land. It's not going to really stick or this doesn't really make sense. You just end up doing, I end up doing more labor than I'm getting paid for. Like I'm doing all of the emotional labor. And that's kind of the issue that I have with industries that really just like put their black people on a pedestal when it's convenient for them because although you want the recognition it still takes a toll on you um and i mean this is small fix for me but just generally it just takes a toll on you to be the only black person or the first black person doing something in any space that you're in so i i understand wanting to like black people wanting to center themselves in their stories and their families in their stories but i I feel like unless whatever industry you're in takes an actual step back and makes like concrete steps to truly be diverse, it'll just be good. Like it'll be bittersweet because you'll feel so great and you'll win awards, et cetera. But at the same time, you're, it's taking a toll on you that you may not sort of understand at first. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of uh, just entrepreneurs or black business people I've been talking to have really been struggling in this moment in particular because they feel like they're getting a lot of recognition and a lot of attention and it's kind of frustrating because it feels like it's only happening because of the moment and it's like but I was always talented and I was always here so why why now is that something like like you're you're struggling with too exactly especially because people are dying like I think that's what I think for because even so the uh the first uh kind of thing, thing that sparked people was the death of Ahmaud Arbery. And I remember I did a portrait of him on my page because I would just, I feel like it's those things that you see on social media. And I was like, okay, hey, I'm an artist. Perhaps my position is to also make a portrait. But then the names, you know, Coming. the names start rolling in and you see people like, it's like 10 different graphics going on at the same time. And people are like, like they have their tag and they have their watermark in and I understand that because you want to get credit for your work. But at the same time, like you are gaining a follower, you are getting a commission, but someone has died. Like someone is mourning their son. Someone is mourning their daughter. Brianna Taylor was killed while she was sleeping. She was killed while she was sleeping. And you gained a thousand, 10,000 impressions that day. But like, you probably like not profiting but you're profiting profiting off off of someone else's death death. Mm -hmm. and i feel like because and that's why i love um, i was just talking to my friends i love black uh, mediocrity because i feel like in moments like this everyone's sort of cherry picking for the top everyone's looking okay well who's the best black person i can get to do this job instead of just looking at the ordinary folks like the people who are just passing by and they should also be getting recognition every other day not just when something terrible has happened like and that is the responsibility falls on white people and white businesses and white consumers but so it's difficult for me to sort of like 
I don't want to villainize like the businesses like do you sis like I understand you want to make your you know make your prints sell your perfume sell your candles etc I got it because we all have bills to pay but at the same time I think it like it always takes moments like this where people are literally begging for their lives that America wakes up and is like you know what like maybe we should treat them like humans maybe I will buy this candle from this girl on Twitter just because I feel bad. Like, I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to feel bad. I want it to be a system where you recognize my business just as much as you recognize Becky's business. And it's not just because you want me to make you feel better because you're going to go on Instagram and be like, guys, look at this, look at this phone case I got. Supporting black businesses. Hashtag support black business sticker, support black business. And I'm going to tag her so that you can see, like, I don't think that that's necessary, mm-hmm. but it's it's just difficult. Like it's 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 a hard position to be in because you really need the recognition, you need the money, but at the same time, like at what cost? At whose life? Like, mm-hmm. is are you gonna wait? You know, for another person to to die and then make an illustration for them and then blow up? Like, I just I don't I don't want that. Yeah, it I leaves a don't. it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but it's kind of like, yeah. Like you said, it's difficult because it's like this, it's like this small open door where it's like they're giving you the chance to have like some type of privilege. It just, it's unfortunate and really shitty that the privilege is coming from someone else's death. Right. What is next down the line for Zari Taylor and Zari Alyssa PNG? Um, so I really want to do a website. Um, I like started all these free, like Squarespace is my, my domain. So I started like a designing, like a fake website a bit back, but I like, I, because of the way that the world is right now, I do not know what the world is going to look like in a week. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to look like in a month. And I especially don't know what the semester is going to look like. Um, and because I have to be a student and also be a teacher, I feel as if, adding on running a website and running a business is going to be way too much. And I also didn't expect the growth to be this great. So soon I thought, okay, maybe I'll hit a thousand by the end of the year. You know, I'll just trickle my way, like slowly up there. Um, but I really, I don't have the time. I, so I think I'm going to wait until after the semester is done and maybe launch a website, uh, in 2020 or 2021, sorry. Um, because yeah, I just don't, I can't, like, I, I don't have the brain space at all. Like, the, the way that my jobs are set up, I don't have the time now. I'm behind on, on stuff now. So I wouldn't want to, you know, stress myself out way too much. Because then when, it, when I think your passion becomes too much of a burden, then you're like, you know what? This is too hard. I, I'm going to stop. And I don't want to get there. So I, I, I'll wait until things, calm, things never calm down. But... <laughs> Hopefully they'll calm down by the end of the year and I can sort of launch a business and I don't know. In the meantime, where can our followers find you on the interwebs? So you can follow my art page on Instagram. Um, it's Zari Alyssa and that's A-L-Y-S-S-A dot P-N-G. Um, and I post stuff on my Twitter, but it's like I'm a my personal Twitter, so that doesn't count. But you can find everything um, on that instagram page perfect well thank you again sorry for for sitting with me today and let me ask you a bunch of questions of course okay
Hello, fellow Oreos. I'm here today with Patricia Striggles, the creator of the Motherland Plug. Patricia, thank you so much for joining me today and being on the so-called Oreo podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having, having me. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm hanging in there, taking it one day at a time. You know, we're all so quarantined, but I'm happy to be here and to talk to you today about your business. Same. All right, so let's get started. What inspired you to start your business? Well, I started out for like creativity and curiosity. I have always been really creative. I'm really big in craft projects, DIYs, and people were always asking me to make them things. I would get compliments and like, oh, you should make and you should sell this. So in 2012, when I was in college, I wanted the extra cash. And I was like, I'm gonna start an Etsy shop. I started the <laughs> Etsy shop and then I just kept it growing and even though I was pursuing a professional career I never was able to depart from it it became like my baby and it molded into something and I could never let it go so now after some rebranding we became the motherland plug which is an afrocentric lifestyle brand who focuses on not only handmade items by me by but also items directly from Africa and it's just been really amazing to connect with like my roots and that's another reason I decided to tie it into Africa because I get to learn a lot of history and a whole bunch of things that culturally I don't have a clue about yeah that's one of the, one of the things I love about your business and I also love the name the motherland plug um, I love that some some of the items you are imported from Africa and some of the items you make by hand um, what what are some of the um, items do you make by hand so right now, by hand, I make bandanas, head wraps, bracelets, earrings. I haven't did earrings in a while. It may be time for that. Um, I'm working on fabric, African fabric-covered planters, because the plant population is really thriving. Girl, hold on. I got my plant right here. <laughs> oh, really and I have right a few more. <laughs> I have the planter. Like, like, this is one of the planters. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, this wow. one was made in Kenya. So, yeah, things like that. Wow, that's, that's beautiful. How does your, your business uplift or help the Black community? So, one of the things I personally focus on is, first, we do education. So, like, the items that you purchase, if possible, I try to provide the history, you know, where it was made, and all these, like, resources toward it. And then we, I'm big on community engagement. So I try to host events all over New York City from like double, du double Dutch meetups, game nights, spades. I'm a recreational professional, so I love play. That's my, that's my comfort zone. So I try to take that, what I learned in school, and apply it in my business life. Because we need moments of community where we can let our guard down and be around our own and meet new people. I'm personally, I'm a very shy person. I'm not super outgoing as people expect me to be. And same bubbly. girl, same. <laughs> <laughs> but I put that to the side and I try to provide a community for, for us. And going forward, I'm trying to also start doing like business consulting and helping other people grow their business because I needed those things. Without community, I wouldn't be where I am. I grew up, you know, pretty poor and I needed food pantries and other things just to 
survive. So it's important for me to give back to my community and not just community as in the Bronx, but like my people, because I know universally what we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's very inspiring. What, what is the hardest thing um, about being a black business owner? Ooh, I was just talking about this on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I feel like, so I got three things. I'm black, I'm a woman, and my demographic is um, Afrocentric. So those three things tie into each other. Once somebody starts seeing like the whole Afrocentric lifestyle, you know, I can be seen as very, there's nothing wrong with being pro-black. So that's not the word I'm looking for. I can be seen as very, maybe as like militant, like, you know, mm. my way or no way. Yeah. And that's not what it is. I'm trying to teach us about culture and restore things that we have been missing or that has been, you know, lost in translation all these years. So mm. we already know the struggles of being Black. We already know the struggles of being a woman. And then when I decide to serve a certain demographic, it can come off um, wrong to some people. And that's not for me to fix. You know, I'm what's meant for me will be mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can also be also discouraging as a businesswoman and a business owner. But I like how you said, like, you know, you can't fix that, and that keeps you. You're still going forward, and you're still providing, mm-hmm. you know, these products and and education to to your community, which we need. You know, we need to know about our culture and where we came from. Yeah, it's about feeling pride. That's what made. That was the one thing that made me expand my shop to. Um, carry other things because when I used to shop at like African markets and get all these exclusive finds and people were asking, hey, that bracelet is so beautiful. I found so much pride in saying, oh, thanks, it was handmade in Africa. Because wow. people yeah. don't really do business with Africa. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to be importing goods and talking to people, I want to talk to my own. I want to learn. Like, And they're so, they always want to teach you the history and they want to work with you. And that's it's an experience. It. Yeah. It's an experience. It's not about just like shopping online and getting mm-hmm. it sent to home. It's about, you know, learning what where it came from and like, you know, the the um what material it is and everything. Yeah. It's, it's the whole experience. And I think we all need that. We Sorry do. to cut you off, but I just like it's like it's, no, a great it's fine. Experience. It's fine, girl. <laughs> it's a conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've been following you for a couple of years and I've seen how your business has grown, especially like on social media. So uh, how important is having a social media presence for your business? For me, it's major. I don't have a storefront, so everything is online. Um for me, Instagram is like my comfort zone. I used to do YouTube. YouTube takes a lot of time. I do want to go back, but Instagram is like my comfort zone. Most of my sales come from Instagram. And as a business, you have to find what platform works for you. I know some people who thrive on Facebook. That's not my, mm-hmm. that's not my cup of tea. And you have to kind of like test different ones out and figure out what it is. And one tip that I can give or that I do for myself is that whenever a new social media something starts to like jump off like oh this is hot now i grab my domain name because <laughs> you do nothing worse than you wanting to go to a new platform and your name is not available yeah thank you, thank you. that's that's a good that's a good tip so for anyone who wants to start a business whatever outlet is um social media platform is there make sure that you can create an account with your do- domain name so you're the middle plug across everything 
all platforms. Yeah, because you know when you're standing there trying to give people your 15 second pitch, it's hard to mm-hmm. be like, hey, follow me. I'm this, and on this, I'm this. And right. This, I'm this. Right. <laughs> you're like, we, we got to go. I got to go. I yeah. can't. I can't stand here all <laughs> day. <laughs> That's great advice. Um, to close, how can people continue to support other Black businesses and your business? Well, for other Black businesses, including my own, um, there are simple things that you can do. I had created this thing that went viral about how to support a Black-owned business. And it's pretty much little tips, like, you know, just commenting on their posts helps with engagement, just sharing their posts. Everything doesn't have to be about financially buying from someone, dropping a nice word, leaving a review. Do you know how empowering a review is? That can help an entrepreneur want to continue and that can help a fellow like someone thinking about shopping make a purchase because they know this is a reliable source they're giving good products so everything doesn't have to be financially and just following like we know we live in a digital world and numbers matter and this is how people make their decision based off like influencers and how people look online presentation but you know just doing the extra bit sharing when you buy something it takes one second to store it in your story. And those are the little t- tidbits that I think will really help us grow because it's all about circulating wealth and money and becoming a community and learning you know, what's available to people out there. And for me, you know, the simplest thing you can do is follow me. My, like I said earlier, my platform is Instagram. I love me some Instagram. So <laughs> on Instagram, I'm the motherland plug. But if you like other platforms, I'm there too, under the same name, <laughs> the Motherland Plug. Um, and just follow, you can say hi, I'm very engaging. I like to talk to people online. <laughs> I, I try not to leave anybody on red and I encourage people to ask questions. So if you're an entrepreneur, this is the journey. I'm one of those entrepreneurs that's gonna help you on your journey. So if you wanna know how I did something, where I was able to get material, how did I get past this hurdle, ask me because I wanted to be a comfortable environment because I always wish I had an entrepreneur. I felt close enough to ask hard questions. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Patricia, for joining me today and being on the so-called Orioles podcast. Again, for all of those who are listening, you can follow Patricia at the motherland plug on Instagram. You can also shop her online business at um, the motherland mm-hmm. I just purchased some goods. Y'all should do the same. Let's continue to support Black businesses. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Hey, y'all. I'm here today with the lovely Tiffany James from Cab Customs. Tiffany, let's jump right in. Tell us all about you and what you do. As Janae said, I'm Tiffany James of Cab Customs. I'm a custom uh, apparel, I say culturally ratchet apparel uh, company. We have um, apparel and accessories. Um, we started about six, no, four years ago. I say six years because when I first got started, I'll tell you a little bit about the name. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, it was Cute as a Button, right? So that's where CAP comes from. It's the initials from Cute as a Button. Because people are always like, what does CAP mean? So that's what CAP means, Cute as a Button. When I first started, I was um, making button earrings from buttons, you know, and fabric and things like that. So my mom was like, what's buttons? So just call it Cute as a Button because the buttons are cute. I was like, all right, bet. 
So I kind of um, uh, revamped and rebranded about four years ago. And I was really into graffitis. I've always been into graffitis, but I was, I wasn't making my own. I was always like supporting other businesses. And if I saw something I like, I'm going to buy it. But I had all these ideas for myself. And I was like, I want to put my ideas out there. Because some of the stuff I was doing, like custom um, fabric earrings, and I would put some of the things I would, uh, would, would put on my tees on my earrings. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I take that from this and, and put it on apparel? So um, at the time I was teaching school, uh, one of the teachers showed me just a few tips on how to you know, start your own t-shirt business. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, I've probably rebranded about two times. The first time I started, like I said, it was mainly just custom pieces. You know, if people needed something for birthdays or weddings or whatever, you know. And then I was like, no, this is not just what I want to do. I want my own line. And I um kind of took it and went from there. Like I said, it's a culturally ratchet. We do a little, you know, some culture, some culture, you know, based things. And then we definitely hit on that ratchet side as well. I love that. I really do love that. It's like embracing the word ratchet in like such a, a great way for your business. Yes. Um, so you mentioned having to restart two times. I imagine that that was, or rebrand rather, two times. I imagine that that was hard. Um, what are just some of the ups and downs of being a business owner and on top of that, a black business owner? So um, sometimes, and I, I don't always think of the rebranding process as a bad thing. Sometimes you need to kind of step back and and say mm, maybe that did work for me and this is working let's kind of put more energy into that take a lot of energy out of that you know because a lot of times people come back and ask me now like you want to do the earrings again i'm like yeah that you know i like doing that but that that wasn't what i wanted to do so um some of my two of my rebrands you know a couple of my rebrands were probably for the better i'll say as opposed to it being like a bad thing i kind of it kind of took me back because i had to stop and then sit down and come back to the table like these are some things I want to do but um um answering your question about it being a black owned business yeah that can be kind of hard sometimes because with black owned businesses if you don't just keep going people are like oh well I'm on to the next thing you know and so it's all you know it's kind of like how can I keep them engaged while trying to rebrand and things like that or trying to re you know revamp some things so you got to constantly be on the hey we're still here you know, support, you know, this way or do this and other. But, it, you know, it can be kind of tough, but it's also been a great thing as well. Yeah. How, how has it been with, you know, COVID-19, um, just overall the economy slowing down? Has that affected you at all? Um, it, can, it has, good and bad. Um, with COVID, the crazy thing, I was selling a mask, to, I've been selling masks for two years now, right? And so people were like, so me and my friends, like right before everything hit us and we had to lock in and everything, me and my best friend and her sisters, we went to Puerto Rico. And I was like, hmm, some things kind of happening. Let's wear the mask. So yeah. I made all of us a mask. I, I came up with some designs I wanted to put out there anyway. So I was like, all right, each of us wear a mask. We're going to wear the mask. Let's, you know, and people were like, oh my gosh, you know. So that kind of went, you know, that kind of blew up, which has been great because, you know, we're, we got to wear the mask, one. And two, why not, if you're going to, if you got to wear it, why not make it fashionable, you know? 
Or why not make it something you want to wear? I don't want to, I hate seeing the paper mask. And then next thing I know, people are throwing them on the floor. If I got something I like, I'm going to keep up with it. I'm, you know, I'm going to want to wear it because it's saying something I want to say. You know, it's at least give you know people a reason to want to wear it. But I will say it has kind of affected it in a bad way. Um, because like suppliers and things that you need, supplies you need, you know, people are closing or people were closed or people are, I'm not going to make this anymore because I got to make that, you know, so it kind of made it harder on me because a lot of my local suppliers, they closed like completely, like we were all locked down. So I'm having to ship things in and, you know, you can put in that you want overnight shipping, but overnight doesn't mean overnight anymore. <laughs> overnight means three to four days as well. So, so that, you know, that part and having to explain to just people like, Hey, be patient with, you know, we're all going through this together. Let's all be patient with each other. You know, we've had, had to extend our shipping and processing time because I had to let some of my employees, you know, hey, not, you know, they can't be around each other. So, you know, it kind of it kind of pushed everything back. So I will say it has, you know, kind of stalled in that way. But other than that, it's been great. You know, everything's been a blessing. That's good. Um, do you feel that your business helps support the black community in any way? I mean, just looking at some of your merch and, and I bought this really cute jean jacket that says like black is, is F all over it. Um, it's coming today. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, but how, how do you feel like your merch, I don't know, bolsters, supports the black community? So like I said, when I started the line, um, it's always been out and proud and, you know, very outspoken with the things I put out there, you know? Um, and, and some people were like, Oh my gosh, you know, but, you know, I think during this time when people are more amped to buy black and want to support black, it's been a great thing because people are like, I feel like with your brand, I can say the things I want to say with even without having to even say it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's forward. It's right there in your face. I said what I said, but I didn't say a word, you know? So um, I think I wanted to keep that aspect with being able to say what you want to say without having to just say a word. It's just it's on your shirt. It's on your hat. It's on your bracelet. You know, you'll get a few trinkets in yours when you get it. But, you know, those type of things, you know, I, I felt like I was, you know, supporting that way because we always want to say something. But as a black community, we'll look looked at a certain way by saying certain things, you know. So I wanted to be able to be expressive that way um, and donating on the back end and, you know, supporting other black businesses. I've always been big about when I, I, I would say I'm from a small country town in South Georgia. When I say small, I mean small, like two red lights, no McDonald's, no Walmart. So, <laughs> you know, we would have to go over to the next, you know, town or whatever to even go to a Walmart or a McDonald's or something like that. But we, it was so small that, you know, white stayed on one side, black stayed on another side. And it's still like that to this day. Mm. So coming up here to Atlanta, it was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I was like one with the people. I went to HBCU. I knew right then I just I wanted to go somewhere that, my people were thriving, they were growing, you know, and they were able to be themselves as opposed to having to, I got to be like this all the time and I got to wear my hair a certain way, you know, those type of things. Mm -hmm. So moving up here and then growing a business up here has been great, you know, as far as being a black owned business, because more people support, you know, and you're able to push out what you want to push out. Mm -hmm. Have you gotten backlash or can you tell me a story of when you've gotten backlash from black people white people i mean any type of people about the things that you make ah yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's funny you say that um, my sister, she had on the mask, um, one of my masks this morning, and she was just going to get her oil changed, and it said, cover your damn mouth. <laughs> and stuff, you know, can be kind of vulgar, you know, but it's out there. It says it. And um, she's sitting there at the um, at the place getting her oil changed. And this white guy walks in and he's like, you could have said that a different way. Meaning, you know, and, and he's not wearing a mask while, you know, while he's saying this to her. And she didn't say anything to anybody. He just walked up to her and said something, you know. And I, I mean, I've, I've encountered those type of things where people say, oh, you really wore that? And I'm like, yeah, because it's something people say. Mm-hmm. It's something people want to say. And it made a statement because you said something to me. And you, I feel like when somebody says something like, oh, my God, it was a conviction. You, you felt convicted by something I said or I didn't say at all. You just read it on my shirt. Yeah. I, you know, I've gotten a little backlash. I had one lady that sent me an email, went down my whole website. Then she sent an email and said, um, I could have did a better job at supporting and putting things out there. You know, what I put out there was just horrible. And, you know, I just kind of laughed it off because I was like, hmm, okay. It's, yeah, everybody has their own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that your stuff is great. And I actually love how blunt some of your stuff is. I think, I think it's about time that we're more blunt um, about how proud we are to be black. Yes. I like it. Um, what is, what's something that you wish you knew before starting your own business? Oh, starting my own business. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, I grew up in a, in a small town. My mom taught for 32 years. So you can only imagine what my mom pushed into me yeah. to teach, teach, teach. You go to college, you get a degree, you work that degree until you retire, and that's how that goes. And so I, I did that. I went to college. I, I got a degree in education. I taught for 11 years. This year was my first year um, full entrepreneur. Mm. Um, so yeah, this you know, this year is my first year working fully for myself, you know. <laughs> so um it's it's been great. And like I said, if if I don't know one thing I would have known was find a trade, you know, start something that's yours. Because my thing, like I, I told my mom initially, she was like, No, nah, you went to school to be a teacher, you be a teacher. And I was like, I can't pass that down to my son. There's nothing I can give him. You always want something you can pass on. I was like, if you look at the other side, they always have something. It's always generational wealth, you know, just continuing to go on, you know. And what do we pass down? We pass down old stories and, you know, things like that. When are we going to start passing down things that mean something that's going to continue on and on and on? You know, and people know your family by that thing you passed on, that business you passed on, yeah. something that made monetary value. That's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that your goal is to pass down generational wealth? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, even with this now, my son's only 10, but I have him showing him how to work a heat press and showing him, you know, we do different designs. I have him come up with things that, you know, kids would like. So he, I, I, um, I do the um, design for his school, for the uh, school T-shirts that they have. So he works with me on coming up with design and things that kids are saying his age, you know, and things that they would like. Hmm. What's something that you love about, you know, owning your own business as a black woman? Oh, just being able to be my creative, open self, you know, just, you know, just being able to be myself, number one, you know, 
being able to wear my hair like I want to wear my hair, being able to say the things I want to say, you know, being as unapologetic as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned being a teacher. How did you go from, you know, being a teacher to this, to having your own business, making clothes and apparel? So when I um, first started, like I said, it was mainly just custom pieces. I would do a piece here, a piece there, you know, yeah. for different people. And then um, I, it got to a point where I was having to take work work to work with me, you know, and some of the students were helping me out. And it's funny about that. Um, I've hired two of my old students and I taught middle school. They're now in, um, in college and, they, you know, they're home for COVID and everything. So I've hired them over the summer to yeah. work with me. So um, it, it was, it was, the transition was, uh, it was a little bit scary, but it, I was happy as well um, because that's all I knew. You know, my mom, like I said, my mom taught 32 years. Then I, I substitute taught and I student taught and I, you know, and then I taught for 11 years myself. So that was, that was my main source of income. And it was like, well, I don't know, but it's been great. It, I, I feel like, it was the move I was supposed to make because every time I kind of get scared now and I want to kind of go back and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have did this. It's always another door opening. It's always another opportunity. It's always, you know, growth and things are happening. So it's like, no, you know, it's always confirmation that you made the best choice for you, you made the best choice for your family and, you know, and so on. Okay. Okay. Um, and you know, lastly, how can people continue to support Black-owned businesses? Are, are there um, other ways other than just buying? Uh, what do you want to see? Oh, man, I, I, if we, I wish we could all put something together. You know, I know here in Atlanta they have, and it's, and it's buying still, but it at least gives um, Black-owned businesses exposure. That's my main thing, exposing Black-owned businesses. Like, you'll, you'll have people that's been selling great stuff for years, but people just never know, you know, because we're so hung up on the name the name brands and the, the, um, the mainstream lines and things like that. I mean, we have things that are like Amazon and stuff like that, but we just want, people won't shop it because people are scared. Just, if I be honest, people are really scared to shop black on i don't know why not even scared i don't know what it is i don't don't know how to describe it it's like they shop with you you have the same policies and procedures in place just like a regular you know anybody else's company a a well-known company and they'll still like uh, 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 and then they'll end up saying that's why i don't shop black because y'all don't ship it on time or y'all don't do this or it's taking us too long and it's doing that and it's doing this as opposed to just saying, you know what, I spent my black home money with this company. I'm going to be patient during this time I'm, and I'm going to keep supporting. I'm going to keep putting it out there because you don't always just have to buy. Sometimes it's just exposure. Like put it out there, word them out because we're a people that will shop and will so, uh, we'll, um, support just off of word them out, mm-hmm. you know, because you see me through via somebody else's site or somebody else, and you're like, let me go over there and check and see what they have going on. You know what I'm saying? So that's another way just to support it, just putting it out there. Hey, this is a person that got great things. Like just a minute ago, before we got on um, Black-owned company, she makes like the doormats, mm. really cool doormats. It's called Kiki Mats, K-I-C-K-Y Mats. Okay. Um, anyway, she has Kiki Mats, and she anything you want on your front mat, like mine says right now, 
hold on, I might be naked. <laughs> love that. Like anything you want. Like the one she did for me when I first moved here, it said, um, did you call first? Like, why? If you didn't call first, what you here for? But she makes like great masks. And somebody was like, hey, you should be making masks. She was like, nah, but you can go over to Cab Customs and check out what she's got going on. You know, things like that. Like just supporting, just supporting the community. Just keep supporting. Just keep, hey, I know something. I know somebody who does this. Why don't you try them out? You know, that type of thing. Just the support of putting it out there. I know someone who does it. Try to shop with this company before you do that. You know? Yeah, that's, and I think that's definitely what we're trying to do with this episode of So-Called Oreos, because I think for all of us since recent events with, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, it was like a huge wake up call of, I also, as a black person, need to step up and start supporting my own community instead of looking at here and saying, oh, I go to Target and I buy X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z. How can I find a black person who makes that same thing? Nine times out of 10, you can literally hop on Google and find a black person who makes that same exact thing. I'm telling you. And and it's so, um, I think this has been an eye opener for everyone. Um, like even Shopify, you can, um, it's a way to go in and label your business as a black owned business. So when people get on there, you can just type in black owned um, businesses and it'll pull up a list of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Uber Eats and Uber, you know, Uber Eats has joined, you know, black owned restaurants, you can find them locally. You know, and so just that, even that little bit of exposure as well, just not even just within our community, but everybody, you know, have been trying to do a little bit more about it. Cause I know Amazon, they did a little something on their website. Um, Netflix, I saw one day had something about, no, not Am- not Netflix, but Amazon Prime, like movies and stuff like that. Like, you know, um, mainly black movies and things like that came up when I turned on my fire stick one day. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because I was finding movies I didn't even know anything about. I was like, well, if we had something like this, we would know, you know. But, yeah. I will definitely say that that's been a fantastic thing within these past few months as it seems like people are trying whether they're just hopping on the bandwagon train so they don't get called out on social media at this point i'm kind of like i will take it because i'll take anything yes yes yeah Yeah. i I, I posted on my instagram um the other day like cash up your favorite cash up your favorite black owned business two dollars and it was just two dollars but Two dollars to add up, you know, the more people. And so, you know, so many people were putting their cash app up under there. So people were like cash apping each other, you know, like supporting. And I know I got a few. It's like, I just want to support the brand, you know, and things like that. I may have collected like $60 that they just saw for $2 just from people giving, you know. And then somebody else was like, we should do this weekly. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this survived, you know. Definitely. Um, and, and just lastly, is there any... Um, plug you want to get for your business. This is your time to be like, hey, shop cab cultures, like support the brand. Yes. Um, like she said, you know, shop cab customs, shop cab, you know, I'm gonna be like the commercial cab customs, cab because you know you gotta say it, yeah, keep saying it because it gets in your mind. But everything is cab customs. Um, my email info at cab customs if you want to get something custom. My Instagram is at cab customs, my website, cabcustoms.com. You want to send me something um, on Cash App or anything else at Cap uh, or Dollar Sign Cap Customs, you know, to support the brand. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to be on here. Thank you again for having me. Um, again, CapCustoms.com. Check us out. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. 
check them out. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. We also like to thank all of our entrepreneurs for talking with us. Follow us on all social media at so-called Oreos, and you can email us at so-called Oreos at gmail.com. Also, please fill out our survey. It's on all our social media, or you can just literally DM us. Please fill this out because we want to help you and you'll be helping us. And you can listen to this podcast on all podcast platforms like SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And please remember to like, rate, comment, subscribe, leave a review, watch our YouTube channel. Um, And until next time, bye. 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 Hey y'all, welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy, who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal.